All right, how you doing, Joseph? Doing well, getting over some allergies. Yeah, yeah. How's your sinus infection going? Um, or whatever you had going on. What it was. Yeah, funny, it wasn't sinus infection at all. The tube between my ear and my sinus got blocked up. It was causing me all kinds of pain. Oh, yeah? I mean, I was I was hurting so bad, I was shaking the other night. Wow. Uh, is, it, is it feeling better, though? Feeling better today. I'm two days into a steroid, so... <laughs> Very good. So we're here to talk about John the Baptist, but before we get into it, do you want to pray? Yeah. Sounds good. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you, Lord, as I do every week, for bringing us together, Father. We're just, we're two men, two humble men, two sinners, Lord, that we we come together to to spread your grace, Lord, to, to preach the word of the Bible, Father, that we may reach other people with it. And Father, I ask that you speak through us. That you give us the words to uh, to to justify the words that's in the Bible, Lord, and you give us the understanding and the comprehension, Lord, that we could teach it well to others. And Father, I like to pray for anyone that's listening, Lord, that their hearts be open, that they may receive some type of message, some type of lesson from this. In Jesus' name, I pray and ask. Amen. Amen. So, like I said, we're here to talk about John the Baptist, and unless if you have anything that you'd like to talk about, we'll just jump right into it. Now let's go. All right. So the story of John the Baptist. Now, um, you're obviously way more studied in the Bible than I am. And so if I say anything wrong, please jump right in. And I encourage the readers at home to check everything that I say and everything that we say and read along with us. The well, thing John, is, what's that? So well, John, the thing about John is he's spread out through multiple books. In the Bible. Right, right. And that's, I kind of had a hard time studying him because you got to go through all four of the Gospels and into Isaiah and Malachi. And it's it's just, there's there's a lot. And it's a lot of piecing together. I challenged so, you. Oh, yeah. And I used, I used a lot of, a lot of Wikipedia <laughs> and then going back into the book and reading it, going back into the Bible. So a little bit of a summary and just a little bit about him is he's the son of Zechariah and Elizabeth. And the cool thing about it is Elizabeth was, they were both older. Um, Elizabeth had, gone, had already gone through menopause. She was barren. She could not have kids um, because she was, she was too old. But God appeared to Zechariah in um, the, one of the angels appeared to Zechariah in a dream and said that Elizabeth was going to get pregnant. And so John was essentially a miracle child. And the story of his birth is in Luke chapter one. Um, it was very closely related to the birth of Jesus, where because Elizabeth was Mary's cousin, um, Jesus's mother, Mary, they were cousins. And the angel appeared to both, both Mary and Elizabeth saying that they were going to have kids. And neither, neither one of them was exactly a, um, natural child they were both miracles they were both given their given to the mother by god um john was a lifelong nazarite which we kind of talked about in our first podcast about samson we talked about um the requirements to be a nazarite you're not allowed to touch dead uh carcasses or corpses you're not allowed to drink alcohol um and you're not allowed to cut your hair so that was John. John was one of the three that are shown in the Bible. Um, the book of Isaiah described John as 
the one who would come to prepare the way of the Lord. And that's found in Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 3, um, the, the kind of the prophecy of John the Baptist. Um, John's main mission was to make, pe make the people ready for Jesus. Um, people actually thought that John was the Messiah. Um, John baptized Jesus, which is where he gets the name John the Baptist. That's not exact. That's not like the Baptist religion that we have now. That's not the same. It's it literally means he's the one that baptizes people. Um, yeah, the Hebrews they actually call him the Immerser. Right, right. He preached about Jesus. His, like his main messages was about Jesus, the coming of heaven or the kingdom of heaven, and he warned about coming judgment. And then in the end, he died by being beheaded. And then this is just something that I wrote down because I thought it was interesting that he only ate locusts and wild honey and he wore a camel. His garment was made of camel hair. That's all I got. All right. Well, the, the interesting thing about John is there's only two births in the Bible that go into meticulous detail. And that's his and Jesus. Which that alone shows you the uh, importance of John to the plan of salvation that God has for everybody. Um, you, you touched on his birth being miraculous. Um, it, it was. He, like Jesus, and what a lot of people don't think about is John the Baptist and what happened with his birth mirrors Abraham and Isaac. Abraham and his wife were older in age. She was barren. Angel mm -hmm. came to him and promised a child. So John the Baptist is a mirror of, uh, of the birth of Isaac. So, lost my train of thought. So he, he was announced by the angels. You know, um, when Mary was pregnant with Jesus, when she went to visit her cousin, John's uh, mother, the Bible says that John turned and he, he, he leapt in the womb with excitement because he was in the presence of his, of, of his God. And um, so the interconnectedness is throughout the entire thing between John and Jesus. And uh, you, you just couldn't do one without the other because like you touched on it, Isaiah 40 and 3, Isaiah 40 and 3 says, The voice of him that crieth out in the wilderness. Well, John the Baptist spent his entire ministry in the wilderness. Whereas Christ went to other people, searched for people, John waited in the wilderness for people to come to him. Right. So, when in the Isaiah 43, the voice of him that crieth in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord, make straight the desert. A highway for our God. Every valley shall be exalted, and every mountain and hill shall be made low, and the crooked shall be made straight, and the rough places plain. So he's not talking about geography there. He, he's he's talking about the crooked and the rough, and the high and the lows being everything being brought equal, which is what Jesus. That's what Jesus accomplished on the cross. So one thought that I had about John the Baptist is John is a, he's the last of the great prophets. He ended a 400 year prophetic silence. Mm -hmm. And 
John, he's, he's the bridge between the old covenant, the old Testament and the new covenant, the new Testament. And I think people don't think about that or don't give him enough credit for that. Right. You got any thoughts on anything I just said? Um, I, I kind of do, but I don't exactly know what, you know, <laughs> because it's, it's interesting to me that he came as a prophet and he was essentially prophesying Jesus, but he lived at the exact same time as Jesus. You know, he, they were six, he was what, six months older. Yeah. He was born six months. Yeah. Right. And so he came to prepare the people for Jesus, but he witnessed Jesus's life. Right. Which I think is, I just think it's interesting. They they were friends. They were they were pretty much best friends, and I thought that was interesting. They were, and you know when uh, Jesus came to John to get baptized, you know John begged Jesus to baptize him. Yeah, because John knew John knew who he was. Right. I actually made a note about that. It's um in Matthew chapter three, and verse thirteen through fifteen. It says, Then cometh Jesus from Galilee to Jordan unto John to be baptized of him. But John forbade, forbade him, saying, I have need to be baptized of thee, and thou comest to me. And Jesus answering, saying, un, said unto him, Suffer it to be so now, for thus it becometh us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he suffered him. And so, yeah, you're right. John literally begged Jesus to go be the other way around, where John could be baptized by Jesus. But following with uh, with God's tradition, Jesus had to be baptized before the Spirit right. of God could descend on him, right. which is what he needed John for, which John was the spirit of Elijah. Right. We, uh, I think you mentioned that. You mentioned Malachi. Um, I did mention Malachi at the beginning, but I didn't um, study it too much. I only studied the Isaiah one. Malachi 4, 5, chapter 4, verse 5 says, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. Yeah. And then in Malachi 3, 1, it says, Behold, I will send my messenger, and he shall prepare the way before me. And the Lord whom ye seek shall suddenly come to his temple, even the messenger of the covenant whom ye delight in. Behold, he shall come, saith the Lord of hosts. So this is talking of... It, it, it's still a prophecy of Elijah, but or John. But what's so important about that is because anybody listening doesn't know they're gonna be like, okay, well you're talking about two different people. You're talking about the prophet Elijah, and you're talking about John the Baptist. Let me let me get a turn in my Bible. Matthew chapter eleven. starting in verse 11 said verily I say unto you among them that are born of woman there hath not risen a greater than John the Baptist notwithstanding this is the words of Christ notwithstanding he that is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he and from the days of John the Baptist until now the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence and the violence take it by force for all the prophets and the law prophesied until John and if you receive it this is Elias, which is Elijah, which was for to come, he that hath ears to hear, let him hear. We go over to Mark 6 and 15. 
should have had my Bible flagged. Six and fifteen. Well, we'll start in fourteen. And this this is telling of John the Baptist's beheading this this section of the Bible for anybody that's interested. Right. So King Herod heard of him, for his name was spread abroad, and he said that John the Baptist was risen from the dead, and therefore mighty works do show forth themselves unto him. Others said that Elias that it is Elias, and others said that it is a prophet and none of the other prophets. Now over 9-11, it says again, and they asked him, saying, Why say the scribe that Elias must, first, Elias must first come? And Christ answered and told him, said, Elias is verily cometh first and restoreth all things, and how it is written that the Son of Man, that he must suffer many things. But I say unto you that Elias is indeed come, and they have done unto him whatsoever they listed at his, at his uh, as it is written of him. And I got one more verse for you. <laughs> I went note crazy on this one. That's okay. It's in Luke 9 and, uh, 9 and 8. Or 7, we'll start at 7. And now here, is, this is talking again about John the Baptist's beheading. Now Herod the Tetrarch heard of all that was done by him, and he said, perplexed. Because it is said to some that John was risen from the dead, and of some that Elias had appeared, and of others the one of the old prophets had risen again. So the Bible mentions in several places it relates John to Elijah, but in Matthew Jesus said himself that he was Elijah. Going uh, to add on to that, and we're going to be reading a lot of verses, but Matthew. Did you read Matthew 16, 13, and 14? I did not. Okay. It says, um, when Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, whom do men say that the Son of Man, that I the Son of Man am? And they said, some say that thou art John the Baptist, some Elias, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And so it's interesting that even the people equated John the Baptist and Elijah together. Right, like you're you're right, and they they are so closely linked. They they have the same spirit. Yeah, um, chapter seventeen, verses eleven through thirteen of Matthew. Uh, and Jesus answered and said unto them, Elias truly shall come first and restore all things. But I say unto you that Elias has come already, and they knew him not. But have done unto him whatsoever they listed. Likewise shall also the Son of Man suffer of them. And verse mm -hmm. 13 says, Then the disciples understood that he spake unto them of John the Baptist. Right, right. So we have multiple multiple points in the Bible that list John the Baptist as not the reincarnation of Elijah, but he had the spirit of Elijah. Right. Because anybody that knows the history of the prophet Elijah, he was whisked away up in the heavens. <laughs> yeah, Elijah didn't die. He was one of him and Enoch. Elijah and Enoch didn't actually die. They just kind of walked with God in the heaven. Right. Well, and Elijah was carried by a chariot, right? 
right with Enoch. You know, we don't really know how he went. It just says, and he walked with the Lord and was no more. Correct. Just, just poof, gone. Which the story of Enoch it fascinates me too. Because, like, he lived for 365 years and there's only four verses in the Bible about him. <laughs> I am a big fan of the book of Enoch. If you can the, ever read it. The book of Enoch? I've ne- I never have. It's not in the Bible. You're right. It's not. It's, it's a non-canonical book. Uh, it wasn't added by the Roman Church. I, th- I believe it originally was, and it was removed, or it mm-hmm. might have been on the original list, and it didn't make it into the Bible. Mm-hmm. But um, you, you made it. The, what you just said is the reason I started my search into the light. Uh, Enoch was uh, for somebody that important, right? So close to God that God just took him on up into heaven. Right. There's, there's four verses about him. There has to be more to it than that. But the book of Enoch, um, it's an interesting read. I I read a lot of books that's non-clinical. The Life and History of Adam and Eve is another one. But um, you can learn a lot from the non-clinical works because the early church, before there was a Bible, before there was a canon, used the book of Enoch and other codices that we don't use today as the Bible. So I don't I don't put a I don't know how to word this. So the Bible I believe is the inspired word of God, but it was put together by man. And I believe there may be other inspired words of God out there too that just didn't get put into the Bible. Does that make sense? It does. So for the early church to use uh Hold on. <laughs> Joseph's got his daughter climbing on him. <laughs> She's not bothering me, man. Oh no, she she was telling me something. Oh. What, what was I talking about? Enoch. Oh. You're talking about the book of Enoch. Yeah, the the early church, I mean they use these books that, that we don't use now. Right. So I find it hard to believe that when the canon was created in the 300s, that early church was wrong for 300 and some years before everything got put right. You right. see what I'm saying? Yeah. So uh, I don't know. I've never really looked into it that much. Oh, hold on one second. Okay. So what's interesting is the book of Enoch is quoted in the New Testament in several places. Uh, most people don't realize that. So if I'm trying to find my place here, if the early if the disciples and the apostles were quoting from the book of Enoch, you see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. There has to be something to it. It's at least worth a read. Right. And the book of Enoch really goes into uh, into a lot of uh, history, early history of creation. But uh, I want you to turn to the book of Jude, chapter 1, verses 14 and 15. <clears throat> And don't read it out loud because I'm going to read to you from the book of Enoch. 
Okay, one second. Let me get there. I need to get a Bible with tabs in it. Okay, Jude, what verse? Uh, chapter one, verses fourteen and fifteen. Yep. Now I'm going to read. I'm going to read from the book of Enoch. And behold, he cometh with ten thousands of his holy ones to execute judgment upon all and to destroy all the ungodly and to convict all flesh of all the works of their ungodliness which they have ungodly committed and of all the hard things which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. So if you'll read verses 14 and 15. It says, And Enoch also, the seventh from Adam, prophesied of these, saying, Behold the Lord cometh with ten thousands of his saints to execute judgment upon all and to convince all that are ungodly among any of among them of all their ungodly deeds which they have ungodly committed and all of their hard speeches which ungodly sinners have spoken against him it's almost exact yeah just a little bit different yep so is, there are several other places in the bible and I, I don't have time to flip through my book of enoch and read them all but you and i can discuss that later Mm-hmm. may even do a uh, a show on that if you want it, it, it's just it's in, it's interesting mm-hmm. yeah for sure so uh it, it's an interesting read it's not a it's not a very thick book i mean none of the books in the bible are but uh i recommend it to anybody there's actually three books of enoch i've only ever read the first one mm-hmm. so before we went down this rabbit trail where were we <laughs> uh, we were talking about john the baptist and um him being like Elijah, and then we got into Enoch because Enoch and Elijah both never died. They they just kind of were with, carried into heaven. That's it. Um, the last note that I had on him was uh, I got to read my own handwriting. Hold on. In John 1, 29 through 34, and I'm going to read it all, um, he's talked about being the greatest born among men. And I think I read that in one of the other verses I read a minute ago. Um, the reason being for that is no other than he got to be the one to announce the arrival of the Messiah to the world. Right. John was the one that declared this is the Messiah. John's the one that baptized him so that the Holy Spirit could come on him. But past that, Jesus said of John the Baptist that he was the least in the kingdom of heaven. Right. All men were high, were greater than him in the kingdom of heaven. Now, how interesting is that? Mm-hmm. That I don't have a theological thought for, but I found it to be an interesting point. It says it in uh, at least two places that I found, Matthew eleven eleven and Luke seven twenty eight. Yeah, that is interesting because the, when the whole world was saying, oh, John the Baptist, he's he's the coming Messiah that we were looking for, he's sitting there saying, no, I'm not, Jesus is. But then, yeah, that's weird that he's the least in the kingdom of heaven. And, you know, John said that, you know, when his disciples... John's disciples mentioned something to him about all these people were going to follow Christ, going to follow Christ. And uh, there was a little bit of resentment, I think, the Bible kind of portrays. 
And John said, I must become lesser so that he can become greater. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if that plays into him being the least in the kingdom of God because he played such an important role. Right. He had he had to become least so that all the importance and glory could be shown on the Christ. Does that make sense? Yes, it, it makes perfect sense. And here's the where I was about to take that as I was about to read that exact verse that you were talking about. It's uh, John 3, verse 30. It says, he must increase, but I must decrease. And that is verse 30, but I'm going to keep going. Um, so John is talking to people about about Jesus and they've just said that they thought that he was that he was the Christ you know and he wasn't and he's telling them that he's not and he's talking about how he baptized him and it says in verse 30 and then I want to keep going after that he must increase but I must decrease he that cometh from above is above all he that is of the earth is earthly and the speak and speaketh of the earth he that cometh from heaven is above all and what he has seen and heard that he testifieth and no man receiveth his testimony. He that hath received his testimony has set to his seal that God is true. For he whom God hath sent speaketh the words of, words of God. For God giveth not the Spirit by measure unto him. And the Father loveth the Son and hath, hath given all things unto his hand. He that believeth on the Son have, hath everlasting life. And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life. But the wrath of God abideth on him. And I thought it was real interesting the the humility that John shows that he's real humble when the whole world is putting him up on this pedestal, like, Oh, you're the guy, you're, you're the Messiah that we've been praying for and looking for for the last 400 years. He's saying, no, I'm not, I'm nobody. I'm, I'm nothing. I'm going to make myself lower than the dirt so that I can uplift Jesus Christ. Right. And I just think that's a great way to go about life. And that's a great model for us to live as Christians. And I tweeted today about how, I don't have anything figured out and I don't have my life figured out. All these other people that I'm interacting with got, they got a, at least a piece of their life figured out and I'm just trying to learn from them. You know, I'm not putting myself up here. I'm putting myself way down here and putting everybody else up. Right. Now I'm not saying that as like a, Oh, look at me, but. No, no, like, no, I, I get it. No, you make a great point. We should all, we should all humble ourselves. Right. Exactly. Um, and, and as, John the Baptist did for Christ because there there's we can learn from everybody. Right. You know you're you're twenty, right? Twenty. I'll be twenty one in um two and a half weeks. Hey, <laughs> uh I'm thirty six. But there are still things that I can learn from you. Right. But I can't do it if I don't humble myself. Right. You know, I I have to and that's anybody that that's you, you to a 15 year old, you know, there, I believe everybody's, I believe God brings everybody into your life to teach you a lesson. Mm-hmm. It don't matter if they're there for two minutes or 20 years, mm-hmm. you're going to learn something from them. But if you don't humble yourself to the point where you open your ears and you open your heart, you're never going to learn the lessons that you're supposed to learn. Correct. Correct. And I just think John showed a great example for us as Christians is that when everybody was putting him up and building him up saying he's the Christ, he, he was willing to put himself down in the dirt so that he could glorify God's name. Yeah. And we all should. And uh, I heard a pastor say one time in the sermon that uh, he said, people pray 
for money and they pray for cars. They said how we should be praying is, Lord, if blessing me brings you glory, then so be it. Mm-hmm. But if pulverizing me into a dust brings you glory, mm-hmm. then so be it. Mm-hmm. So the point of that being is we need to humble ourselves before God also. And so many people, so many Christians, and, and I've, I've been guilty of it before, have prayed selfishly. We seek selfish things. We're, we're human. It's nature for us. We want to better ourselves. We want to better our families. But ultimately, we should all be willing to do whatever it takes to bring God the glory. That's the whole purpose of our existence is his glory. Mm-hmm. But you can't do it without humbling yourself. Mm-hmm. I've met plenty holier-than-thou Christians sitting in a pew on Sunday morning. I've met more than my fair share. I've met pastors that way. And right. they, they've lost the ability to humble themselves. Mm-hmm. They've lost the, I, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and dub the term now, the spirit of John the Baptist. Right. You know, it's interesting that you say that because I am a firm believer, and I've written about this on my blog, that our number one prayer should be, God, give me the strength to do what needs to be done, to do what you want me to do. Not give me this car, give me this house, or give me all this other stuff. Give me the strength to do the things that you need me to do. I think that that's, that should be the number one thing that we pray about. Oh, absolutely. It's, um, I had, had a guy, okay, so I had a guy Sunday, I'm discipling him in the church, and he asked me, you know, how, how am I supposed to pray? So I'm just going to, um, I'm afraid I'm going to sound like I'm, I'm blowing my own horn, but I'm really trying not to. So I told him, I said, what I do is when I hit my knees at night, I don't even ask God to forgive me for the sins I've committed during the day until like the end of the prayer. You know, when the disciples asked Christ, how do we pray? Christ said, pray like this. Mm-hmm. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. We all know the Lord's prayer, right? Correct. So how does how does Christ begin that prayer? He begins the prayer with praises to God and praises to God's kingdom and praises to God's power. And he finishes it with forgive us our trespasses and we forgive those who trespass against us. So um, tying into what we're talking about, you know, people hit their knees and it's all, it's all about you Mm -hmm. from the start. And that's not the correct way to pray. God wants his due glory. You know, the Old Testament calls God a jealous God, and he is. That's the very first commandment. Thou shalt have no other God before me. So little little lesson in prayer for anybody that's listening is when you hit your knees in prayer, just start kissing up to God. He <laughs> deserves He deserves it all. He deserves all the praise and glory. Mm-hmm. And if you spend 30 minutes praising him and two minutes talking about yourself, then that's a good prayer. Definitely. But it's, it's one of those things I think that we, we as the church body have forgotten. Mm-hmm. We've forgotten how to pray. Right. There's a guy in my church that he's one of our deacons. Not my, not my dad. My dad's a deacon, but the other deacon is too. And every single time that he says a prayer, if you listen to him, he says, God, thank you for blessing me to be alive and counted among the living. 
And that's the very first thing he says every single time. It's almost like clockwork. And that's just, that's a good way to, to thank God, to glorify God, because he blessed you with the life that you have right now. And with the very breath you breathe is because of him. Oh yeah. You, you, your next breath is completely dependent on God. Your next heartbeat. Exactly. If God doesn't will it. It's not going to happen. Right. Right. You know, uh, when I pray, it doesn't matter if it's at night in the morning, driving on the road. You know, I'll, I'll tell you one thing that's always in my prayers. I always thank God for sending his son to die on the cross, mm-hmm. sending him to hell to conquer death and hell, resurrecting him again. It's in every one of my prayers. We should all be, in my opinion, thanking God for that constantly mm-hmm. because that's our salvation. That's our grace right there. The last thing that I have on John the Baptist, which I don't know how much discussion we're going to get out of it, but it's just a little thing, is that in chapter 6, which you read some of it, chapter twenty, or verse 20, it says, For Herod feared John, knowing that he was a just man and a holy, and observed him, and when he heard him, he did many things and heard him gladly. And I just think it's interesting that even the people that wanted John, because Herod is the one that killed John, that sent out the order to have John the Baptist beheaded. Right. Even the people that want him dead know that he's a man of God. He's a godly man. Right. And that's just, it's interesting because, it's interesting because we're supposed to be strangers in the world. We're supposed to be not the same as what they are. And there's supposed to be a noticeable difference between us. That's all I got. That's all I got. That's all my notes. Yeah, and, and you know, that's a perfect example of um, of discipleship, us living Christ-like. You know, John the Baptist is such a great example for many things, but that's one of them. He lived his way, he lived his life in such a way um, that God just radiated from him. Right. Even his enemies knew he was a man of God. Correct. You know, we should be living our lives so that even... that. I'm sure you've met that Christian somewhere that when they walked in the door, you just knew mm-hmm. they had a relationship mm-hmm. with God. And that's something that should be radiating from all of us. Yep. And if, it's, if it's not, it's something we need to fix. Do you want to say hello? <laughs> Hi. Hello. What's your name? What's your name? <laughs> and she's gone. <laughs> she's adorable. My pride and joy, she has me wrapped. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I'm glad you touched on that because I didn't even think about it in my study. And you know, mm-hmm. he's an example of how we should be. Right. You know, our our friends, our enemies, everybody should know that we radiate God just just by being in our presence. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Just just by our testimony, our reputation. Right. That's all I got. I'll let you go play with your daughter then, if you, unless if you got anything else. All right, brother. No, I'm good. All right, sounds good. I'll say a prayer real quick, and then we'll get going. All right. All right. Heavenly Father, thank you very much for the service that you've given here today. God, uh, thank you for the blessing that has been this conversation. Thank you for um, Joseph and his whole family. God bless his little daughter that's playing behind him. Um, God, I pray for my family as well, that you would be with them. And Lord, I pray that you, as we go our separate ways, you just be with us. And I pray that if somebody could get anything from this conversation, Lord, that they do, that you, you bless this conversation and that 
if somebody out there listening that they can they can have their lives changed by it. Um, all these things I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, I'll talk Amen. to you later, Joseph. All right, brother. All right, bye.